Let's get educated. That's why we're here, to bring you the stories impacting K-12 classrooms and college campuses. It's time for a little education. Greetings, everyone. I am Katie Patrick, joined by David Fiorazzo, and we're going to drop a little knowledge on you today because parents in one Kentucky school district are mad as bleepity bleep bleep after a student who was expelled last year for making a kill list of fellow students, including the principal's child, has been allowed to return to the classroom, the, the same classroom in the same school where he made a list of the students he was going to potentially kill. David, yeah. how did this happen? The parents are outraged. They accuse the district of ignoring red flags. Um, so uh, how? I, I don't know, but this is in Kentucky. Um, a student made a list, classmates, and and uh, this was a year, actually year, actually t uh, November 2021. Do the math. I can't. <laughs> so a kid from Boone County School District was accused of making written threats against classmates. And according to the sheriff's office, uh, Connor Middle School resource officer was informed about a student's notebook containing specific acts of violence. So red flag, maybe. And I'd be curious, you know, hey, you violated my privacy. You opened up my notebook, right? I wonder if that's even an issue. The sheriff's office stated that the notebook included names of several classmates and described how the owner of the journal, quote, would locate them or have them respond to an area where he would encounter them and uh so during the actually we've got a video that's going to set this up even more we are calling you to be responsible and to do the right thing boone county parents left furious and frustrated wondering how a student who made a kill list is back in the classroom you don't have to have a degree in psychology to figure this out of why would you put a child back into a, an environment where he possibly could act out. We've learned a current Connor High School freshman made targeted threats against several students last year. An eighth grader at the time, the Boone County School Board decided to expel him. But after just one year, the student was allowed back last Wednesday. To the very school where those who were threatened attend. Now parents want answers. Dozens packing the Boone County School Board meeting Thursday, putting the superintendent in the hot seat. And it is completely negligent to place a student exhibiting these red flags with our children at Connor High School. The board cannot respond to public comment, just listen, and they did. And as you already know, the principal's own son was threatened. As parent after parent voiced concerns, many of whom have students at Connor High School. They fear for their children's safety as school shootings become a growing reality nationwide. State statute says students who make threats against the safety of other students or staff must be expelled for no less than one year. Parents wonder why, with the nature of the threat, this student was given the minimum. So it, that's a policy, right? That's a, it's a, not, not less than one year. But my thing, watching that and then having looked at this, I still don't understand what treatment, what help that that student, the one who made the list, got. Was he just out of school for one year and now he's back? Because there was nowhere did it say he sought treatment. There was no evidence that he, you know, he repented on what he did. Yeah, he, I was wondering it that did too. say that he wasn't serious about it. Oh, I was just joking. You don't just joke about things like that. Yeah. Even if you just, 
even if you actually truly have no intent to have that kill list be enacted, the fact that you go to make that list, there is something. Hmm. There is something that you need to get to the bottom of as the adult to figure out before you let that kid anywhere near any of these students. And my, the flip side of this is who is on that list? Those kids know who's on that list. We knew the principal's kid is on that list. Is the principal allowing his own kid to go to school now with that kid hmm. every night going to bed wondering if I'm, because he's been named as a target. That kid has been named as a target. You go to school the next day, every single day, every single day, they're going to have to live with, hopefully they're going to live, but they're going to have to know that at any moment something could happen Boy. because they let that one kid back into the school. But this is, this is where we are, where we have to abide by the one person who doesn't feel in the right place. If we expelled this kid, he wouldn't, he wouldn't be able to get his education at the expense of all those kids who were on that kill list or any of the kids who were going to be in any classroom with the kid who made the list. But this is what we do when it's boys going into locker rooms of the girls because the one student feels that he is a she. And so he has the right. We don't care about the girls. We only care about that student mm-hmm. and how it affects that one student. Not everyone. Yeah. It's interesting the parallel with the transgender um, debate here with you got one trans student everything's got to change everybody's got to you know go along with that but at the bottom of the article it says the kentucky now this is the apparently the boone county schools responding again the kentucky constitution guarantees the right to a public education for every child without prejudice and we are obligated to follow state law If you have concerns regarding education law, we strongly encourage you to talk to your local state legislator. We will continue to be vigilant regarding these matters and we appreciate the community's support. (laughs) What does that mean? This is this is what we get. This is this is the I'm covering my back end report. This is what we get anytime we have a school response about anything is this. Yeah. This. That's it. That sums up the entire thing. That's all I could say. Well, isn't that what you're doing right there? Isn't that how they respond to almost any allegation or any that, alleged? That's, that's from now on. Yeah, this is what just, that means. Anytime we have a school response, this is what it is. Yeah. And, and that is. It's also sad that we are at the place where violence is not uncommon anymore. And it's not so rare that it's surprising. It's like, okay, this kid made a kill list. I mean, anyway. Still to come, Virginia's Republic, Republican governor slams a school district for not only accidentally withholding student achievement rewar- awards, but paying nearly a half million dollars to hire an equity coach for students and faculty. That's next. Oh, Virginia. You know, we we haven't had a good Virginia story in a while. And by no, good... because of Loudoun County. And by good, I mean we've never had a good <laughs> Virginia story. Because we're, anytime we're talking about Virginia, it's Loudoun County. It's Fairfax County. And this one is uh, somewhere in the middle. It's not good. Eh, it leans more towards bad because the governor of the state is responding to something bad that Fairfax County did. So it's like he's he made good comments based on bad things because here, here 
This is what they do in in Virginia, apparently. Well, Governor Glenn Youngkin just spoke out against Fairfax County Public Schools for spending $450,000 on an equity coach and also withholding national merit recognition from students. So back in December... The Thomas Jefferson High School for Science and Technology, which is hilarious because we need to get rid of Thomas Jefferson. And how dare we have a high school that's talking about science and technology specifically and is not inclusive to everyone. And again, Thomas Jefferson's a racist. I'm surprised that name hasn't been changed. But anyway, Thomas Jefferson (laughs) High School for Science and Technology. It's the highest ranked school in the nation. They were accused of intentionally withholding notification of students' academic awards in the name of equity equity and since then we've had a total of seven high schools in fairfax county so how many high schools do they have well seven of them have admitted to failing to provide students with notification of the awards in time for college scholarship and admissions deadlines we're talking about kids futures here Hmm. not just how they're doing in their school they're they're trying to (laughs) affect and and do harm on these students even after the kids go away from them because it's affecting awards that could help them in the future when they go on uh, for college scholarships and getting into the colleges even. Now the seven schools do account for about 25% of the high schools in the county which goes to show you how many people are living in Fairfax County and how many of these poor children have been subject to this type of nonsense Mm. non-education over the years because we've talked about Fairfax County a fair amount of times. Yeah. <sighs> anyway, so according to Fairfax County Public Schools, the error impacted children who received commended student awards from the National Merit Scholarship Corporation. And in an effort to correct the mistake, the district emailed and called colleges where the students had applied to inform them of the error. So instead of doing your jobs properly, you're now having to call these colleges and be like, oops, sorry, we messed up. It's, it's our bad. Attorney General uh, Jason Mirez or Myris uh, launched an investigation then into the district because how could you be that incompetent? But as we know, incompetence is everywhere. Let's take a look at uh, then what Governor Glenn Youngkin had to say about it. 25% of the high schools in Fairfax County have announced they didn't notify several students of their national merit recognition in time for important college scholarships and admissions deadlines. It impacts their ability to apply to college for scholarships. And, uh, and this idea of a, a golden ticket, as it is called, um, was withheld from them. And it seems to have been withheld, withheld to, from them for the purpose of not wanting to make people feel bad who didn't achieve it. And all of a sudden, we see it spreading around to the rest of Fairfax County. Governor Glenn Youngkin said what started off as allegations at one of the most prominent schools in Virginia has revealed a systemic problem. They have a maniacal focus on equal outcomes for all students at all cost. In a 7 News interview, Youngkin blasted Fairfax County superintendent for spending hundreds of thousands of taxpayer dollars on equity consultants. The reality is that We have a superintendent in Fairfax schools who has explicitly stated that her top objective is equal outcomes for all students, regardless of the price. So I just want to reiterate what he just said and and parse this if you want to take it further. The reality is we have a superintendent in Fairfax schools who has explicitly stated that her top objective is equal outcomes. For all students, regardless of price, now we know the price includes paying 
$450,000 to a liberal consultant to come in and teach the administrators in Fairfax County how to do this. Equal outcomes. Equally bad outcomes. Anytime we talk equal outcomes, you have to say equally bad outcomes. Because when you say equally outcomes, equal, oh, it sounds so great, doesn't it? This is the whole word soup. Oh, equal outcomes. Yeah. It sounds like it's going to be a great thing. Except for when you're trying to get everyone to the same outcome, you have to lower the standards. Yep. You, ha- well, you cannot <laughs> have them be equal without pulling them down to be able to attain that. You can't, they're not going to raise up. You have to naturally bring them down. And that's what is happening everywhere. Every time we say equal outcomes, we want it to be equal. And they don't want equal in a positive sense. They want equal in a, the lowest common denominator. Yeah. And one thing this leads to is uh, participation trophies. Just if you participate, yay, all right, good. You, all right, you're, you're with everybody else. You participated. Congratulations. It's nothing. It's it's equal outcomes. Where's that in the Constitution? No, I didn't see it. Yeah. Coming up, we have Iowa's Catholic Diocese lays down laying down the law, saying that they're going to not tolerate made-up pronouns, boys and girls sports, and students using these preferred bathrooms. <sighs> Is the church finally ready to push back against the radical left? Nope. Stay with us. <laughs> Today's show is sponsored by our friends at My Pillow. Save up to 66% on pristine quality bedding, towels, slippers, signature pillows, and much more when you use the code EDUCATED. That's E-D-U-C-A-T-E-D, EDUCATED. Support this show and a great American company. All right, well, sanity is slowly, very slowly being restored. Exactly where I think it needs to be the strongest. Sanity needs to be the strongest um, so then it can exert itself. And that, of course, is in the church. So the Catholic Diocese of Des Moines, Iowa, if you didn't know Des Moines is in Iowa, uh, has taken a significant stand against woke ideology and LGBT activism. And now the Southwestern Iowa Diocese, who's headed by 60-year-old Bishop William M. Johnson, is going to enforce some new rules. We don't have a new sheriff in town, but we we do have a bishop who is about to lay down the law. Um, for these new rules in the 17 schools, four Catholic hospitals, and 80 parishes that he has overseen being bishop, uh, thereby buttressing or buttressing, buttressing buttressing the old common sense and enraging radical leftists all at the same time. Oh, I love it when a plan comes together, says Hannibal. Now, here are some of the new rules. We're going to break them down for you. The Diocese Gender Identity Guide and Policies document, it sets out seven policies. All of them are binding, okay, for these, if you're in the diocese, for the parishes, the schools, the organizations, any of the other institutions of the Catholic Church in the Diocese of Des Moines, all right? They do not apply, however, to any passers-by, occasional vendors, others who may be on church-related premises who are not acting in official capacity. So basically, if you belong to this diocese, like, you are needed to follow these seven 
policies or rules. Number one, all documentation that requires the designation of a person's sex must reflect the person's real biological sex. Huh. Thank you. Thank you for that comment. <laughs> yes. So-called preferred pronouns are not permitted since the embra they embrace uh, the embrace of made-up pronouns. While intended as an act of charity, instead promotes the disassociation of biological sex and gender and thereby confuses or denies personal integrity. <gasps> so refreshing, David. Gasp. Gasp. All persons must use the bathroom or locker room that matches their biological sex. However, buildings are permitted to have individual use bathrooms. Um, you know, when, I, when, I'm, when we're looking at this and when you're reading this, I'm thinking how sad it is that it's necessary to come up with something like this just to do what 50 to 75 years ago, no one would have had an, a problem with any of this. But now you have to lay out a policy and you've got to well, change this. Not to get off track, but I like the Italian came out right there for you. That was yes. nice. But I agree. Not even 50, 70. When I was a kid, even 20 even years. Even that long 25, ago. 30 years ago. <laughs> I remember in our school being like, wow, there's individual use bathrooms now. We called them handicap bathrooms because the intent was at that time. It's like we'd have a single stall so, so people could get in there more easily, get in and out of yeah. there. And then all of a sudden now... Obviously, we know bathrooms have gone crazy, but this solves the problem, does it not? Just go into the, the single-use bathroom then. You get your own stall, you know, the whole room to yourself. No need to have any of these other bathrooms. So thank you, common sense. All right, number three. Well, wait a minute. This next one might, might also... Okay, I'll let you read it. Go ahead. All persons are to ordinarily present themselves in a manner consistent with their God-given dignity. Okay. This rule primarily pertains to uniform dress, whereby girls are to wear girls' uniforms and boys are to wear boys' uniforms in the schools. The problem with that is the modern left and the secular progressives have redefined dignity. So this is saying God-given dignity. I like the God-given... Oh, they had to throw in the word dignity. So that's going to be misused and misapplied and that's i think that's one of the weaknesses here but I, I again i appreciate the fact that they're making efforts to do this so oh next one the exception with the exception of co-ed sports males are to play in male sports oh huh and females are to play in female sports there is to be no crossover so it takes a diocese in des moines iowa to do what the whole country should be doing here to if you truly want to protect your children and especially young girls this is somewhat of a model here yep uh and then they're going to talk about the single sex schools buildings all other programs institutions you have to be your sex yeah what? boys go with boys girls with girls men with men women really? with women there it is kids are also not allowed to take puberty blockers on parish or school property oh, and medications for the purpose of gender reassignment can't be distributed or stored on site which lets you know that that's happening across the country as we do know and finally counsel is given to vulnerable vulnerable persons afflicted with gender dysphoria will be in accord with the directives and teachings of the church not the leftist bible very nice. Take notes around the country. Everyone, take notes. All right, still to come. How is it that $5 million being put in your bank account, how does that sound for you? It sounds pretty nice. However, if some San Francisco residents have it their way, 
only long-term black residents of the city may receive, yes, $5 million each, plus total debt forgiveness. What? All being in the name of slavery reparations. So it sounds $5 million, sounds very nice, except when you apply, try to apply it to public policy. Well, anyway, stay with us. If you have a smartphone, tablet, Roku, or Apple TV, consider downloading the Freedom Project media app. It's 100% free and includes all of our weekly shows, plus lecture series, archive programs, and award-winning animated videos for families like the Presidential Minute, Battles of America, and Heroes of the West. Don't rely on the social media giants to keep you informed. Simply download the Freedom Project media app from your app store and allow notifications. And we'll let you know when a new video is ready. There is such a thing on the left coast as the uh, San Francisco Reparations Committee. And this is what they're doing. And this is sad. And you got Democrats virtue signaling in the promotional photo here. And they're all white. Oh, maybe Hispanic or Latino. But one of them has their rainbow shirt, their trans uh, shirt on with the home. Anyway, so the headline, $5 million. Total debt forgiveness. Not for everybody, not for hard workers, not for any particular, but for black San Francisco residents. And this is uh, the, the panel again is a, a reparations panel. This is this reminds me kind of like in the schools, they got the DEI. Now they got reparations departments. Now we're going to see those pop up in liberal cities, liberal strongholds. So um, for the, why? For the harms that they have experienced. And I'm thinking, OK, even if someone could prove that their ancestor was a slave in some form or fashion, does that mean that the person that's living now has undergone harm? Well, this is what the, the wording here. It is for decades of harms that they have experienced. And so one of the solutions is to forgive all their debt, kind of like Biden wants to do with, with college student loans. Forgive the debt. The committee is a 15-member panel. It was created in May of 2021, and they're going to pitch these recommendations to the city in June, according to this report. So the proposal made clear that San Francisco never, quote, formally adopted the institution of Chattel slavery, but that the tenets of segregation, white supremacy, and systemic or systematic repression and exclusion of black people were codified through legal and extra-legal actions, social codes, and judicial enforcement. And again, this is part of our history. Um, and thank God for Christians in America that worked and fought like William Wilberforce and others over here to abolish slavery. But here we are talking about something that is part of our history and happened uh, quite some time ago, and yet the people that are living today are going to get awarded millions of dollars. And that's another thing, Katie Petrick. Why five million? Why not five hundred thousand? Why not five thousand? Why not? I don't know. Five hundred dollars to every black resident or whoever they decide is worthy. Yeah, I can't stress this point enough. 
We're not saying that San Francisco Reparations Committee is giving out a one-time lump sum of $5 million collectively. To the yeah. to the, it is to each person $5 million plus debts paid to each individual who meets their very simple, I guess, criteria of living in San Francisco and having some descendants looking back to being in the slave trade. But here's the thing, back when the slave trade and all that was going on, we're talking San Francisco, which is way on the West Coast. If this was over on the East Coast, that would make a lot more sense, the South and the East Coast. But all the way across the whole nation Hmm. in San Francisco, are they counting on it to be fewer individuals? And that's why they made it a $5 million reparation, so they're not paying out as many as if you had this proposal down in anywhere in the South where every resident potentially could claim to have at least what they I think said is two of eight requirements yeah two of eight additional requirements from a list includes being born or having migrated to the to the city between 1940 and 1996 with proof of residency for at least 13 years be a personal or a direct descendant of someone who in, uh someone incarcerated by the failed war on drugs oh wait a oh minute boy. now it's not even slavery now we're talking about this war on now drugs. now we're talking about inmates who actually committed or, crimes yeah or being a personal or direct descendant of someone enslaved before 1865 but again why is san francisco doing this land of nancy pelosi why is this happening when san francisco has so many other issues going on right now okay so many other issues i got an idea we can identify as a black female lesbian San Francisco resident. Yes, I do. Yes. We can identify as that and we can apply for this just by identifying as, and they can't turn us down under their own city of San Francisco woke policy of diversity, equity, and inclusion. Who are they to say that we can't identify, right? As whatever it takes to meet those requirements. So this is gonna, it's, this is gonna hopefully come back on their heads, so to speak. I hope it does in my lifetime. Or the whole <laughs> West Coast can just fall off. Anyway, make sure you're hitting that like button if you're watching us on social media, and please do send us your feedback by going to stayeducated.org. Now for David and myself, thank you for watching, thank you for listening, and thank you for supporting this show. Until next time. Stay educated. Educated is directed and produced by Mike Menzel. Hosted by Katie Petrick and David Fiorazzo. Makeup and hair by Katie Scholl. Graphics designed by Dan Kaler. Educated is owned by Freedom Project Media. See other shows and content at freedomproject.com or download the Freedom Project Media app. Copyright 2023.